So as Hunter Biden has a plethora of legal issues, he today decided to sidestep the subpoena and instead of going in for that closed door testimony to hold a a little confab outside the Capitol. What does this mean for him? Could there be legal trouble for Hunter Biden by not going in to that closed door meeting? Barbara McQuaid's a professor uh, with the University of Michigan uh, Law School and former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan and joins us. Uh, Barb, it's good to have you. Oh, thanks. Great to be with you. What, What kind of ramifications could Hunter Biden potentially see by not going into that testimony today? Well, most directly, I think he could face contempt of Congress. In fact, uh, the committee chair has said that they will initiate contempt of Congress proceedings. You know, what Hunter Biden object to was not testifying, but testifying in a closed door deposition setting instead of a public hearing. But he doesn't get to call the shots. You know, Congress gets to decide what the format will be when they issue subpoenas. And so a person's choice is either to find some legal challenge to the subpoena or to show up. Uh, And then once they get there, if they object, if they have a legal objection, object to the question on a question by question basis. But uh, it it is not permissible simply to say, I'm not going to come because I don't like the format you've chosen. I want to get your your take on that, because they could have uh, gone down the legal route and challenged the subpoena because it was behind closed doors. But that never really happened. And instead, it, it, at least from the outside uh, looking in, 5,000-foot view, we were expecting Hunter Biden to go in and testify today. So instead of testifying, he stayed outside, didn't go in. Why didn't, do you think, uh, he take the, the legal route and, and try to find an, an answer to the, the question of testifying behind closed doors? I don't know that he really had any legal objection. The, the only objection I think he might have is to assert his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination because, of course, he is now the defendant in two criminal cases, one related to allegations of illegal weapons possession and another on tax violations. And so to the extent questions implicated those cases or in any way incriminated him, he would have the ability to object to answering any of those. But typically when you uh, receive a subpoena, you're required to show up at the setting where you've been asked, commanded to appear and answer the questions and assert your privileges, whatever they may be, on a question-by-question basis. So I don't think he would have been successful going into a court and asking court to quash this subpoena. I think the court would have said, you know, you must appear, but you can assert your privileges uh, to each question as it arises. You talked about the the possibility of of the contempt of court route that some lawmakers seem to indicate that they're going to go. Um, what what are the ramifications of that? Well, there are a couple of options. You know, one of the theories about congr- congressional subpoenas that has not been tested in, you know, a couple of hundred years is that Congress has its own contempt powers. That is that, uh, you know, the sergeant at arms can go arrest the person and take them into custody. But that hasn't been exercised in, as I said, hundreds of years. The more likely scenario is a referral to Congress, I'm sorry, to the Department of Justice, with a request that they seek criminal charges for contempt of Congress. And that's up to the Justice Department to decide whether they want to pursue that. Uh, You know, in um, the January 6th investigation, for example, 
There were a number of people who failed to report as directed by subpoena, and the Justice Department prosecuted some of them, but not all of them. So Steve Bannon did get prosecuted, for example. I think Peter Navarro, a White House aide, also got prosecuted. But others like Mark Meadows and uh, Dan Scavino, Scavino, his deputy chief of staff, did not. And so I think uh, the Justice Department would consider what privileges are relevant in deciding whether to go forward. But that's the more likely path is to refer the case to the Justice Department to seek contempt charges. So so you're saying that the DOJ does have some discretion there? It's it's not really necessarily cut and dry? Yes. um, You know, even if there is technically a violation of the law, the Justice Department exercises its discretion in deciding who to charge. And oftentimes in a contempt case, they look at things like those legitimate defenses to see if there's uh, an adequate basis. You know, they're looking for things like what is in the best interest of justice? Uh, Is there a need for deterrence here? Is there a need for punishment here? Is there a need to promote respect for the rule of law? And so all of those factors will weigh into any decision as to whether to uh, bring criminal charges. And of course, all of that is set off by a lot of political activity that's going on here, right? Mm. I mean, he's being called to testify, no doubt, because he's the son of the president. Uh, He is objecting to testifying, I think, because he's the son of the president. And I think the Justice Department has has to try to tune out all of that noise and assess the case based on the facts and the law as as best they can. You know, Hunter Biden's a very high profile person. Um, He is is is, uh, you know, well off. He, He has money. He can afford really good legal teams. Take me behind what you think those conversations were. Um, because I, I can't imagine Hunter Biden or or his legal team were unaware of the consequences of not going to testify today. What what do you think those conversations consisted of? Yeah, I imagine they discussed the pros and cons of appearing or not appearing. Um, I think it's probably likely that he would have asserted his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination in response to at least some of the questions. And so it seems that... Uh, he was willing to take his risks for criminal prosecution um, because he, he perhaps he saw a greater upside in sharing a public statement that he knew would get a great deal of airplay, mm-hmm. and it has, explaining why he thinks this is a, a politically motivated inquiry into his father because of his own dealings. And it gave him a chance to tell his side of the story, not under oath, not subject to cross-examination. And so he got his story out there. Now, even if at some point he does go in and testify, uh, at least he's had a chance for the public to hear his side of the story. I got about 30 seconds left here, and I don't mean to wade into different territories here. But in, in the in the sense of what we could see from lawmakers today and vote on, on an impeachment inquiry, that seems to be more of a fact finding investigative uh, step in this process. Um, what kind of legal uh, duty does the White House or or anybody who would be called in? Um, to to comply with that type of of action? Well, uh, in the investigation, uh, subpoena power is one where people typically come in and appear. There's always some question as to whether a president is legally bound to come testify before Congress because they are co-equal branches of government. And so sometimes those things are worked out with written questions or other kinds of things, but it's not unprecedented. Gerald Mm. Ford testified before Congress. And so uh, so that could happen. But I imagine we'll see some you know, power struggle uh, over just how this uh, this goes down. And, Certainly. You know, to, date, to date, we haven't seen a whole lot of 
facts, but I suppose yeah. that's what the fact-finding is for. Barbara McQuaid, great stuff. Thanks, as always. Appreciate your time. Okay, thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time. More next on JR Afternoon.